I'm Pete Mitchell, he's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for the first ever car cast. Indeed. Except it's this uh, is the podcast on wheels. <laughs> except it's one of us is on wheels. Can you guess? <laughs> the guy who sound sounds like crap. That's me. Yeah, that's you. So um, I don't know if you guys would be able to hear it, but I'm also on navigation, so it might be like turn right up here. <laughs> At least it's not my navigation. You remember? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, did we ever tell that story? I don't know. I think we did. I had a. <laughs> I have an app on my cell phone with GPS, and I. No, paid... Wait, wait. Correction. You used to have an app on your cell phone. <laughs> well, it, the app is still there, but I've changed the voice. So I paid the extra like dollar or three dollars, whatever it was, to have the the cougar do the audio directions. It actually listed as a cougar. So it's this this real uh, uh, sexy woman going, turn right. And then when you like miss, it's like, hey, cowboy, I can do this all night, recalculating or something like that. And um, calls you tiger and strokes your ego. And it's like, yeah, it was pretty funny. It, it always made me feel about going on long trips like I had a friend with me. You know, she was just there for me. <laughs> And, uh, she understands me. So, so I, uh, I, I would use it. I kept getting caught in like bad places. Like I would forget. Yeah. I would get to yeah, some place no, no. and I wouldn't turn it off. So you and I were no, at no. Saddleback. We, we we kept getting caught because of your sad nap. We we're at Saddleback. I did the time, but I didn't do the crime, baby. With like with like Rick Warren's right hand guy, and all of a sudden it goes. I don't even remember what it said because it's been so long since I've used that. No, it said it said I can do this all day, Tiger. Or something like it, it looks it like it, it looks like you stopped voice. moving. <laughs> yeah, so I I felt pretty bad about it. Oh man, it was bad. And you, it, we come out of there and we're dying, we're <laughs> dying. And he goes, and you kept saying like before that, do you think I'd take this off my phone? And I'm like. Yeah, you probably should. You yeah, know? now you say that. That's not what you said then. Back then, you're like, no, it's great. Well, it made me laugh, but I really wanted you to get Yoda. Yoda would not have gotten us in trouble. But see, this this particular mat or this uh, program didn't have Yoda. It only had the sexy woman. So now I've got the regular <laughs> run of the mill. You know, turn right, turn left. But uh, I haven't gotten caught nearly as much. Like my wife always thought it yeah. was funny. She she thought it was funny when it happened in front of my dad, the pastor, the Baptist minister. Uh, that's when I decided <laughs> I, I got to cut this off my phone because this is just not. It's not good. Oh, it's great. It's not working out well. But oh. uh, so anyway, we've got so many things to talk about this morning, and and before we go any further, I've got to play. <laughs> The uh, the latest call that we've received on the message line, and just a reminder to everyone, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments, your complaints, your thoughts, what you want to hear from us. And this was a complaint, so I'm going to go ahead and play this complaint. You can call us, just a reminder, 562-553-0004, but here was the recent complaint that we received. Hello, Peter? Is this Peter? This is Reverend Stilton, and I downloaded your podcast, the Church Painter (laughs) Podcast, and I listened to you and that guy Peyton for 20 minutes, and I didn't learn not one thing about painting a church. Shame on you. (sighs) I think the funniest part was trying to track down who actually left that message, and then when we figured it out, it was pretty funny. But uh, just yeah, a reminder, it's not the Church Painter podcast. It's the Church Planter podcast. That's right. That's right. Now, I am, uh, I'm on the road, and I am, uh, 
just just so you know, everybody, you know, if uh, if you're a loud crunching noise, that's me dying. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm on I'm on my I'm on my uh, my way down to the hospital. I got a sick baby right now, and uh, it is bumper to bumper here. So this is going to be a really interesting way to do a podcast because it's Valentine's Day. It is three something in the afternoon, and I am on the five heading into San Diego to get to the hospital. So just, you know, if you hear a crunch of metal, that's me dying. That's what it sounds like. Well, you'll have to tell us, you know, what's it like going into the light? It wouldn't be the first time, baby. I could tell you now. (laughs) So um, a couple of things that we got to bring up before we get into the meat of today's call, which, uh, sorry, Joey, we're still off track. Um, But the first thing we've just gotten started, Joey, I know. (laughs) The first thing I got to bring up, okay, we talked a little bit last week about Through the Word, the app, and you're doing the daily chapters. So I've been looking forward to chapter 15 for, you know, days since you told me to, <laughs> that it was coming up because it's all about bodily functions, uh, semen, vaginal discharge. I mean, all the really good stuff you want to read about in the Bible. Well, I got busted for chapter 12. So when we hit 15, I was like, oh, boy. You know, it, it's about like, you know, discharges, male and female discharge, the whole chapter. So if anyone ever asks you, like, what's your favorite chapter of the Bible? Leviticus Just tell them Leviticus 15. 15. That's it, baby. Just tell them Leviticus, you know, it's pretty pretty deep stuff. It speaks to me. It's, you know, well, it's all about discharge. So I, I told you, I, I'm reading through Leviticus, but I'm doing that book as I go through your audios. Because your audios are really helping me understand and relate Leviticus back to Jesus. So I love it. Absolutely love it. So, you know, I haven't been going ahead, but I've been looking forward to chapter 15. So I'm reading chapter 15. I like to read it before I listen to your audio. And it's talking about how if a man has a seminal discharge and it touches a woman, meaning if you're having sex, he's unclean until... The evening, right? That's what it says. Right. So I'm looking at that going, dude, I would be out there every day going to my buddies, hey, hey, (laughs) guess who's unclean until this evening? (laughs) I've been unclean every day this week. (laughs) I'd be like, hey, look at Bob over there. He's unclean like a newlywed. I mean, it's like, I I would. I would be like, I'm unclean. Yeah, you know, I can't remember. There was um, there was a couple of things in that chapter where if you were unclean for something like, I can't remember what it was, you had to, you had to offer something. So, like, I'd be fire broke. In, I'd be like, no, no, you, no, Pete. Two turtle doves. <laughs> Two turtle doves. Before you're clean well, did, again. Did Two they turtle, have to no, go? no, you can't exploit this, Al. Did, did they have to go outside of the camp when they were unclean until they were clean? Yeah. So does that mean you'd have like a party out there? Oh, hey, I'm unclean until tonight, too. <laughs> it was pretty chill out there. It was really stressful inside the camp. But outside of the camp, everyone was really relaxed and chill. Or, or would it be like, hey, um, <laughs> hey, Peyton, we haven't seen you in the unclean camp in a long time, buddy. <laughs> Pray we, for me. Do we need to have some marriage counseling <laughs> or what? You know this is all kinds of wrong, right? Hey, I'm trying to understand the Bible. You cannot get mad at me. I'm trying to understand the Bible. What happens when Pete Mitchell reads Leviticus, ladies and gentlemen? That's what it looks like. So my whole point in all of that was just to say I was kind of hoping that you were going to explain that in the audio, and you didn't. So I felt kind of left out. From now on, you and I ought to discuss a chapter because that would have been golden. But actually, they would have banned that. So, oh, you know. They totally would have. Because I wouldn't have cared about the rest of the, the chapter. That that was the part that I would have focused on. <laughs> yeah, that would have been your takeaway. It would have. It would have. So, hey, um, um, have you, just out of curiosity, have you happened to take any, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Have you taken I know any, where you're going. Have you taken any church planner test, you know, to see if you could I, be a church planner, perhaps by any major I denominations? Failed, I failed. Okay, I've I've been I've been talking with the denomination about about 
training their church planners. And I had to take the test that all of their church planners take to show if they would make it as a church planner. And I failed the test. That is just the best <laughs> ever. And, and I failed it. The guy who, you know, I don't even know what his, his, his position right would be to you, but he's like, I've actually never had anyone fail that part before. And you failed well, it. He, he was talking to me. He's like, you know, I, I got to figure out what to do. I've, I, I've never actually had this happen. I mean, and he listed off some, some people that I knew that we mutually know. And he goes, I mean, I was kind of worried about so-and-so and so-and-so, but he goes, you know, he, uh, he goes, it, 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 anyways, I failed it. You failed it. And you know, here's, here's my point in all of that. And by the way, if, if they don't, cause they, you're, you're planning right now to retest, right? Oh yeah, to yeah. take it again. I, I explained. I I actually had misunderstood the the purpose of the test, and so yeah. I mean, I I approached it totally. It was an easy reason why I I kind of said, oh, you know, we talked it. Through. Well, but like, here's so, I I took the because I had to take it as a uh, as a you know um, on you like my evaluation of you because you you'd put listed me as a reference, which <laughs> is a mistake to begin with, right? Because. <laughs> I had taken like three of them that week already for other people. And so I'm like, to, and it's for me, for the reference, it was 200 questions. And it was like, how many ways can they ask me the same question? And it, it was literally one of the worst ones I've ever taken in my life. It was a horrible test. And I started to feel really bad because, you know, on every page, there would be like 10 questions. And then at the bottom would be like a fill in the blank question. And I started like really ragging on him in the fill in the blank. I'm like, this is the worst test I've ever taken. Because, you know, like one of the questions would be like, um, it, it's just like in a job interview. Oh, what are some really bad qualities that Peyton has? And that's when you're supposed to, like in the interview, they go, oh, you know, what are some of your weaknesses? And you go, oh, well, one of my weaknesses is I'm too dedicated to the job and I don't take enough personal time. <laughs> and it's like the total crap answer, right, that – you know, it's the the backhanded way of saying I'm going to be a great employee. And it was like questions yeah. like that. And so I'm like, this is a horrible. T-. And I kept like putting it in there. And then I was like, dude, Peyton's not going to get in because they're going to be like, you got this crazy nut that you listed as a reference. And he's telling us off on every page of the exam. So I started deleting those out and, and not answering them. But one of the things yeah, I thought you, was, little little known to you, I'd already failed yeah. the exam, so it didn't matter. Well, maybe they just chalked it up to to that and said, "Oh, well, um, yeah, we're going to blame it on Peyton, but really, it was the nutball you had fill out your reference." So, I mean, it could have been. We just don't want to make that guy mad because he was ranting all throughout the thing. He's come back with an AK forty seven, man. So, yeah, and Pete, Pete's telling me this is the. He's like, I I just got so mad, I just started writing. This test is stupid. Well, yeah. Well, one of the things was, um, like it said, like it was a scale of one to five, and five is like perfect, and one is, you know, absolutely horrible. And it says on the very beginning, if you list too many fives, we'll have you redo the test. And I'm like, that's not fair. If I truly evaluate someone as a five, I should be able to put down a five, not like worried that I have to give them something lower. I'm like, that's that happened on my test. The same thing. Like a lot of my questions, it said that on my test and, and I put five down like repeatedly and the, the warning came up. You've answered this too many. And I'm thinking, but so many of these questions are not relevant to me in any way. I never think about that. I actually don't have an opinion on this stuff. So I got to put a five, yeah. you know? So I thought it was funny but, that you uh, failed. Cause I'm like, okay, how many <laughs> church plants have you done? And he failed. And I, I literally, I was ticked. I was like, I'm going to burn this denomination to the ground if they don't come back and, like, make things right. Because this is obviously stupid. Yeah. You know, it, it's one of those things, though, where you can't use an automated test. It just goes to show you. And there's a lot of guys where they get all excited, like, ooh, automated test. And, and they're excited. Like, how do you? You know, I've always found this weird, like, you know, I find my spiritual gift by taking an automated test, you know? Yeah. I remember doing this when I was in high school. I remember driver's ed class. They had this thing where they're like, you know, we want to help you decide your career. 
I don't know why they picked driver's ed. I guess they figured, you know, a guy didn't have enough to teach it there. So we'll like stuff his class with all the like weird crappy exams. So they put that in there. And, uh, and I remember there were two things that come out as one was it said that I would do really well in the health profession, which I ended up going into, which is kind of funny. The other thing was a chicken farmer and I'm not even making that up. Nice. There's nights I wake up unfulfilled. Lying awake in my bed, you're not and a I know, farmer. I know what I should be doing. Yeah. Well, it, I, I literally, I was, I was looking at that, just going, this is absolutely insane. I mean, we run the Church Planner podcast, the Church Planner magazine. You've done how many church plants? You're helping out church planners, and they're like, um, yeah, you didn't pass. You, you're not going to be good at this. <laughs> like, what are they telling people? You know. So I, I thought it was pretty funny myself. It was funny. It was funny. So anyways, hey, what, what are we talking about today, Pete? Well, to, uh, to ease us into some serious talk, we've got to kind of start out, I think, with uh, something that happened this last Sunday at our church. There's, there's always something oh. exciting. Oh, you're going there, are you? I'm going there. I think it's a good way to start it, right? Because we had a little bit of fun in games. Now we're going to have a little bit of fun in church, right? So, you know. Yeah. It's a good transition, but um, what? Uh, why, why don't you tell everyone what happened on Sunday? Okay, okay. So, and I have to apologize for myself at the beginning of this because a, I've been in the hospital a lot this week. I got a six month old with uh, chronic lung disease, and uh, so I haven't slept much. So, um, and so that's I where you're heading right now. Is to the hospital. I was going to say I, I may say things that I know I already have on this subject this week. This is a this is a, a topic that gets me really riled up. In fact, in the movie that we're putting together, we're putting together a, a series called Jump School, which uh, trains uh, church planning core teams. Um, some people call those uh, launch teams. I tend to call them core teams. I have a slightly different philosophy than some people on this. Um, I've heard both sides of it, but anyways. Uh, the, the point is our very first episode is all about kind of setting the agenda and the atmosphere and tone of your church, kind of setting the, uh, philosophy of ministry, um, so that people come on <clears throat> and don't screw the whole thing up that you're trying to do. And so we kind of hit a little bit of a crossroads where, you know, we've mentioned before we get a lot of gay and lesbian people in there. I mean, I, you, you don't. Some some people could walk in, have gaydar, and look around and go, that dude's gay, or you know. But but by and large, some of them blend in, and I know because when you're the minister, you know everybody's secrets. But it's you know it's kind of obvious when <laughs> when you know the transgender prostitute is you know in the ladies' room that you might just have a little problem. So this uh, when when she's in the ladies' room, but she was born a man, if you know what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. So so you know, and and so. The transgender prostitute goes by the name Amanda, and uh, that's the only name that we know her by. And I say her because, shoot, man, if I'm calling somebody Amanda, I'm going to use the female, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the name. Am I looking for the word uh, pronoun? Thank you. My brain is not working right now. The pronoun. So here's the deal. Um, you know, she was in the bathroom, and uh, we're, we're trusting that eventually, you know, she'll get you know, Lord will come in, minister to her, you know, start setting things right, um, help help some of the gender confusion, what have you. But it's just not where she's at right now. So we're in a position where we want her to hear the gospel. And we're going through Romans 1. I mean, there's no mention what's in that passage. Right. And we've talked to her about it, and she's she's been very respectful and responsive. So, but anyways, during during the, the sermon the other morning, she went in the bathroom, and she had to go somewhere, so she was changing. And it wasn't a busy time, but a woman came up to me and said, hey, um, you know, Amanda's in the the women's restroom. And I just walked in and what do you want me to do? And, you know, she was really upset. And, you know, I kind of I'm I'm kind of chill about stuff at church anyway. So it didn't get me upset. I mean, I knew this day would come. And, uh, I just said, uh, wait till she gets out. <laughs> <laughs> what should I do? And that, wait, that was not, yeah, 
that was not the answer that was desired apparently. And, um, so, you know, the reality is that, uh, I got one of my leaders texting me and, you know, there had been a little bit of a hoo-ha about it and, you know, some stuff had kind of gotten back to me and, you know, I've heard, uh, some very disturbing ways that people have dealt with this situation. And, and, and my, my approach to this was, Hey, we have bathrooms that are single use. We'll have a talk with her and say, Hey, could you use that? And there's reasons why. But to me, the biggest issue was not going in there, you know, running kind of like, you know, that passage in Nehemiah where it says he goes in and he, you know, drags out, um, I don't remember if it was Tobiah or somebody by, he says by the, by the, uh, by their hair. He drag, he drags them out by their hair. It was almost kind of expected that I'd go in there like John Wayne, you know, listen up, Pilgrim, you know, um, give the John Wayne speech and, uh, new sheriff in town type of deal, you know, on your way out you know, saddle up your pony and ride off, you know, you're not welcome here. And I just wasn't going to do that, you know? And, uh, and so this whole thing comes back to how are you going to treat people? And so when we first started, the, the problem is we're getting new people in and they're not, maybe they've come from their established church. They're not ready for what we're doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. And I think that's a key element of the story. The person who was like, hey, you know, Amanda's in the women's bathroom. This was someone who was already saved, right? Or yeah. at least that's the, I mean, you know, we didn't, you never know if someone's really saved. But they're, they're from church. We'll put it like that. They're from church. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for anyone else's salvation other than my own. Um, so they're, they're coming from a church background. And we've got uh, Amanda... Which I have a real hard time calling someone who looks like a man, Amanda. You know, it's just, it's for me, it's really difficult, right? I mean, it's really difficult. Um, but there's so many things I want to say right there, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, Amanda is clearly, uh, you know, I again, I would not knowing someone else's, you know. Uh, uh, stance with God, I would say she's not saved, but she's coming to our church. And in coming to our church, you know, maybe she's coming for the free breakfast. She's staying and she's listening. And I, I remember one time um, she mentioned to you, you know, she's trying to get out of uh, being a prostitute. Can she make an announcement to the church that she's looking for work? And you're like, D you want to sit through our service? I'll let you get up there and make an announcement you're looking for work. Because why not, right? I mean, and this is the point of what we're doing. But, you know, it, I think back to um, this last week's podcast with Hugh Halter. And, you know, so, so much of that really, uh, you know, resonated with me and, and really makes a lot of sense. But one of the things that, that he pointed out that, I, I don't know, I've just never looked at it the same way as when he was saying it. But, you know, Jesus was known as a friend to sinners, as a, as yeah. a you know, a, a glutton and a drunkard. And, and yeah. it's like, why would he be called that unless, as Hugh put it, you know, he gets off of work and where does he go? You know, he goes to the bar to hang out with the boys, so to speak. Um, yeah. And, and that's, I, I mean, if you think about that, like that's literally what God did. God came yeah. to earth and then went and hung out with the rejects to the point yeah. that everyone accused him of being a sinner, of being a drunkard. Like, you know, it's funny because for me, my, my thought is, you know, there are plenty of churches for this other woman to go to. I don't need people so badly in my church plan. Oh, I don't want you to be upset. Don't worry, I'll deal with it. And then, no, the reason I'm planting is for people like Amanda. That's the reason I'm there. That's the reason that I'm not getting some fat paycheck at the mega church right now. And so I'll start getting fired up on this because I'm so disappointed with Christians who don't understand that they are on mission, that they are missionaries. And it was kind of almost like she has come in and violated us, you know, like she's gone to the women's restroom. Well, of course, <laughs> she thinks she's a woman, you know, where, where would you expect her to go? Let me tell you something. 
it would be equally as uncomfortable if Amanda decided to use the male restroom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it would be equally as uncomfortable. Sure. And so, you know, the, the deal is, you know, we've got an issue, but we live in a broken world. And I'm a missionary to, to people that live in that broken world. You know, God did not call me a church plant to church plant to make Christians happy or feel comfortable. God called me to church plant, kind of like uh, C.T. Studd said, where he goes, you know, some choose to live within the sound of church and steeple bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Yeah, that's where that's where I want to be. I want to be at the very gates of hell with all the worst stuff that the enemy can throw at me. That's those are the people I want to get the people on the borderlands of the kingdom of darkness. And I want to see those people saved. And with Amanda, God is doing an incredible work in her heart. The sexuality thread will, I'm sure in time, be worked out. I have great faith in that because I've, you know, I've got good friends that came out of, you know, hardcore homosexual lifestyles. And, you know, I, I have faith in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you see Jesus, he doesn't hone in and you know, make an issue of, you know, like you said, Jesus goes and hangs out with Matthew and prostitutes. Like, those were the people he was with. I mean, could I could I hang out with prostitutes? No way. No way. But Jesus did. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and it's also interesting, too, because when you think about, you know, our societal view of, uh, of sin, and there's there, we see layers to sin or levels to sin, right? And God sees a little, a little white lie is enough to, to damn you to hell. Um, just as sexual immorality, sin is sin. Like the, yeah. the, the, con- the, the, the consequences of it, right? The wages of sin is death. Um, so take a look at the uh, Samaritan woman, woman at the well, right? This is a, a, a serial uh, offender, if you will. Um, you know, and Jesus says, you're right. You know, and the person you're with right now, isn't your husband. And, um, you know, you, you, and we look at that and we go, okay, well that's, that's acceptable. Right. You know, how many Christians in our churches today are, uh, serial monogamists? Oh, you know, they got married, they got divorced, they get married to someone else. And we're more accepting of that when biblically speaking, I mean, there's very clear rules on what you can get divorced for and what you can't get divorced for. Yeah, and yeah. and if you remarry, you're causing the other person to commit adultery. I mean, it, that it's you got a problem with. It. You got to take it up with God. I mean, He's the one who set the rules. He's the one who said what it is. But we find that more acceptable. It's easier for us to hang out with that person. And I'm talking about myself here. It's way easier yeah. for me to hang out with that person than it is to hang out with you know a homosexual or uh, you know a, a transsexual prostitute. I mean, I mean that's very uncomfortable for me, and. And I look at it and I'm like, yeah, but that's that's what we're supposed to do. But you know, I could honestly say that's not the way I've always seen it, right? It, it's really been part of this church plant where I've really understood this is what we're on mission to do. This is what we're supposed to not do only as that, Christians. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, it's not that you've lowered your standards. You haven't in any way compromised God's standards by being acceptive. Acceptive, dude. Seriously, I need Acceptable. to. Leave. Um, accepting, accepting of a transgender prostitute in your midst. Um, you're not accepting the lifestyle. You're not accepting the, you know, you're not saying, Hey, you know, I, I think it's okay in the eyes of God to do this, but I tell you what, neither did Jesus. Jesus wasn't like, Hey, you know what you guys, um, I've changed my mind about all that stuff in the old Testament. I don't know what I was talking about back there, but you know, Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't lower a single standard, but he shows love. He mixes with them. He talks with them. He tells them stories about, you know, how much God loves them. He, you know, and the people that always are the people in the story that got it coming are the religious people, the self-righteous, the Pharisees. The, so for me, you know, I know it's like how Chuck Smith used to always say, he'd say, you know, I'm always going to err on the side of grace because that's what I saw Jesus doing. He came in grace and truth, but grace was the more evident. Not that truth was ever compromised. He came in both, but, you know, and so we're, you know, we're very truthful. I mean, we don't pull any punches in Romans 1. In fact, uh, my uh, 
uh, one of the, the team members took Amanda aside on, on Sunday morning and, and chatted with her about, hey, Romans 1 can be a little bit dicey. It's not aimed at you, but, you know, it, it deals with the topic of uh, homosexuality. Just want to let you know, you know, um, it, that it's coming. And um, so, you know, and she was like, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. And there was no, and that's the important thing for people to understand. There was no watering down that section when we were going through it. It was, no. however, very much showing the grace of God and showing the equalness of sin, the homosexual yeah. as well as uh, everyone else, and basically saying we all fail the test. We all are sinners. I mean, and that's what, what Paul is making his point. And, and, and but this, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. No, Go I was just gonna it. say. I mean, it it just goes back to there. There really isn't pulling any punches, but it is being uh, delivered in such a way where it's not like you know you're going to hell. I mean, you're going to hell, well, but and, you know, it's not like the Westbo or Baptist Church, whatever they're called. You know, with the yeah. signs by the side of the freeway, God hates fags. That's, I mean, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that that's that's what Romans, if you exposit it correctly, it brings up is everybody, including the religious person, is going to hell, damned to hell, as they stand on their own. And so, you know, Paul, Paul is is basically saying, "Hey, we are all guilty." That's his whole point. And you can preach that passage in such a way where it it deals with sin. I mean, it has a laundry list of sins. Um, and homosexuality is just one of those things, but equally so, self-righteous. Nobody gets off the hook. Everybody gets taken to court. Everybody gets the book thrown at them. And, and people can handle that. People are like, okay, I get that, yeah. Okay, so, but, but what you're saying, and, 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 and what Paul is saying, but what the Church very rarely believes is there's not anybody better. Like, I am literally no better than, you know, the, the, the addict. Yeah. who is constantly um, falling back into his addiction. I am no better than a transgender prostitute. And if you haven't understood the grace of God yet, the depths of your own depravity, then you're not going to be able to set the tone properly. If you walk into a church plan thinking, well, I read my Bible, I go through my Robert Murray machine reading plan, and you know, I pray in the morning and the evening, and, you know, I worship, you know, privately to myself every day, and I share the gospel, and I, 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 then you might as well plant a church in your own name, because, you know, you, you think you're, you know, you think you're pretty special, and I think God doesn't really use people until he first convicts them of their own sin. All the greatest soul winners, Charles Spurgeon, George Whitfield. John Bunyan, I mean, the list just goes on yeah. of all of the people that they were under deep, deep, deep condemnation and conviction, both conviction and condemnation, um, before they got saved. And John Newton, I mean, you know, amazing grace. And what a lot of people don't realize about John Newton is that uh, he really became the soul winner he was and only in uh, England after he went back into the slave trade. He started off uh, as um, a slave trader, got saved, uh, wanted to marry a girl. She refused him because he didn't make enough money. So he went back to sea to make a lot of money, doing the one thing he knew how to do. And after going to sea, beating, raping, and killing more slaves, murdering them, um, that's when the Lord broke in. And, and, and here's the deal. If you read Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, you get the horrific revelation that we never talked about. He was saved when he went back to sea and had the grace of God break in on him. Um, hmm. He was doing all those things as a, as a regenerate man. And I know there's people out there, no way. Uh, you know, you just got to kind of stick around a bit. And nothing well, you know, will shock you after after a while in pastoral ministry because yeah. you you will learn about people that nothing is shocking. You read David's story. I'm not shocked that David killed Uriah and he was regenerate. Surely, 
Um, you know, I, I could just go on and on and on the list of how wrong the church gets this stuff. It is the grace of God. We all desperately need a savior. The cross levels the playing field. The scripture levels the playing field. I mean, everything brings you back to ground zero and says, you have nothing before God. You know, the Puritans got this, man. The old hymns got this. Nothing in my hands I bring. You reach into your pockets, like Martin Lloyd-Jones used to say, and you pull out nothing. <laughs> you don't even got pocket fuzz, man. You've got nothing to contribute towards your own righteousness. You have nothing. You are bankrupt before a holy God. Well, and uh, it, and that's, reminds me, that's it. it reminds me of Peyton of um, the Old Testament story. And I'm sure you remember where this happened, who this happened to. I just remember the highlights of it. They're moving the Ark of the Covenant. And God said, no one's to touch the Ark of the Covenant. They're in a rush. I, I think they had it like on a wagon or a cart or something. It starts to yeah. fall off. And someone, you know, reaches out to grab it to stop it from hitting the ground because they didn't want it to hit the ground. And, of course, they touch it. Yeah. And they fall down dead. And the symbolism is you think that you're cleaner than the ground. That's and right. you're not. You're not That's right. cleaner than the dirt, the mud, the ground is way cleaner than you. And I think about that all the time because as a kid growing up, I remember so many times, um, you know, putting my Bible down on the ground and my dad saying, you know, respect the Bible. Don't put it on the ground. And I think back on it now and I look at it and I understand what he was saying, right? I'm I'm not ragging on my dad, but I think back on it now and I'm like, my hand was no cleaner than the ground. The ground, if anything, was way cleaner than me holding the Bible. Like we, yeah. we so look at everything else and we neglect and, and don't see the sin that's in ourselves. And, uh, you know, okay. I, I told you that one of the most powerful verses that I've read in the last six months that just has really uh, penetrated me is Psalm 16, two. And it, it, it says, um, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. There is no good in me apart from you. And I, when I think about that, I'm like, man, that is me. There is literally yeah. no good in me whatsoever yep. apart from God. And we, but we yep. think we are, you know, just like the religious leaders yep. back then. And, you know, I look at our religious leaders today. I started watching a, a show on Netflix, and it's all about uh, – it's a docu- – not a documentary. It's not a documentary. It's a, Are you going Steph- to talk about Blackfish again? No. No. But <laughs> that was a good documentary. I liked that one. I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. But, you know, they're ta- a lot of it happens around uh, the Catholic Church and the Pope. And, I mean, obviously yeah. it's a show, and the way that they're basically laying it out, it's like God has nothing to do with this. And I'm looking at yeah. that. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, first of all, that's the way our evangelical churches are too. Not all of them, just like it doesn't happen in every Catholic church, but so much of it is is built on, you know, I'm in it for personal gain. Uh, I'm not in this for God. And and it kind of, on one hand, I look at it and obviously it breaks my heart and I'm like, but you know what? God's kind of used to us being that level of idiot because that's the way the religious leaders were before Jesus, and we just started doing it all over again. And, yeah. you know, just, we're, we're in this thing for us. Well, here's, here's the thing, you know, God is, God is trying to use the church planner to do something different. Um, there's that old thing that, you know, when, if you're going to compose a, uh, or conduct an orchestra, you, you have to turn your back on the crowd, right? Your back is to the crowd. Here's the deal. You cannot play to the crowds um, if you're going to church plan. You know, Jesus set his face like Flint. He knew his mission. He knew what he was called to do. I've come for the sick. The healthy don't need a doctor, but I'm a doctor, and I've come for them. And that's my attitude. And, and it's hard sometimes because I can be a little bit of a hatchet man. I can overreact. I can see someone like that woman the other day, and, you know, in, in, in unfairness to her, I can kind of be like, right, okay, we need to have a little chat because, you know, it, my thought is always, hey, you know, there's a million churches for you to go to where you'd be happy, where people like this would never touch you. But this is probably her last stop 
the transgender process. This is probably Amanda's last stop before hell. And if I got to choose between making you happy or her hearing the gospel, there's no contest. And I have no patience and I have no time. And I got into this gig of church planning because I went overseas as a missionary and I got absolutely fed up fighting through Christians to reach the lost. And I just refused to do it. And I now, nowadays, I just, I say, right, okay, boom. And, and here's kind of the thing, you know, like I said, I, I get a reputation. I always need other leaders to kind of hold me back and say, wait, 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 wait a second. And, and, and I need that. So don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But I heard, I heard uh, uh, Alistair Begg at a, at a pastor's conference. And this, this part wasn't recorded. Um, because he was he was speaking very frankly, so now I'm going to put it on a recording. Now th- this isn't too bad. What he said here, there was there was a lot of stuff, you know, because people want to know about hey, so and so fell, and it was a very small group of it was in the UK, and he was given some counsel. And uh, what happened was at one point he was talking about people that just constantly make your life hell when you're a minister and a leader. With things like this, you know, maybe they come in. And there was, there was a little bit of trouble kind of stirred up over this, where uh, this person was going to my leaders. And so, you know, Alistair Begg said, what I've learned over the years, he said, you know, certain people are kind of like, you know, little dogs that, that jump up on your legs. He said, do you remember like, you know, those little dogs, you know, and you go to someone's house and the dog jumps up on you and they, they, uh, they say, oh, now, now, you know, spot, you know, spot, get off. No, no, don't jump. Don't jump on our guest spot. Don't jump. And the dog just keeps jumping. And they, no, no, no. Oh, so sorry. So sorry. We're trying to train him not to do that. He said, I have done that for years and years and years with people in ministry. And he said, and after a certain number of years, I just realized, just like a little dog, man, you just roll up a newspaper and give him a whack on the nose sometimes. <laughs> because if you do that from the beginning, I tell you, if spot, was jumping up on me, and I'm a new guest, and I just take a little magazine, rolled up, and whack on the nose. He says, I guarantee you, I won't be jumping on me anymore. And he goes, I've just learned. And he goes, when you're young, you think, oh, I'll be cool, and I'll be this. And he says, there are bullies in church. There are bullies. And, and so legalism, um, people that, you know, oh, this is wrong. They'll, they'll, they'll die for a principle, but won't give a squat about a person. Yeah. That's not how we roll. And so... Where I'm at right now is I'm I'm at this place where I get kind of like I said I get fired up because my whole thing is holy heck I'm going through under an overpass and it's loud I'm in bumper to bumper so forgive me for this noise here but but in a church plant you have to train your core team to think you have to train them how to approach they need as much as teaching about grace what we've just talked about. Um, they need also your philosophy of ministry. Think about it. Jesus's teachings are laid out in the Gospels, but also his philosophy of ministry, like what we just quoted. It's the sick. I've come to heal the sick. You know, um, you know, I've I've come for the sinners. I've I've come to gather the lost sheep. I leave the ninety nine. They're okay, but I'll go after that one who's you know, strayed far, far away. I will focus on them. So it's a matter of focus. You have to know who you're going for. And I used to tell our core teams, and I tell every core team this, this is going to get messy. If we're doing what we're supposed to, um, we will come in on a Sunday morning and the place will reek of alcohol. Mm. When I smell, when my church smells like alcohol, I know I'm in the zone. Mm. I know I am on the mission field God called me to. Not because, you know, there's a bunch of Christians having a little tipple. I mean, these, these are people that are so desperate and in such despair that they're, they're so desperate that if, if, it ain't, if it ain't the bottle, it's Jesus. And they're really hoping Jesus will come through for them because the bottle ain't working anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're dealing with lost people. You're dealing with people at the end of their rope. They are the last step before You are the last step. You're the last bus stop before hell, and you're just praying they get off. And so, so that is where I'm at. That is my philosophy of ministry. And so going back to that whole thing about, you know, training your core team, I'll tell them, hey, 
You know, are you guys ready? Like, are you ready for your kids to see two lesbians coming in and holding hands and, and maybe kissing on the way out? You know, are, are you ready for that? Because if you're not, you're not ready to come with me to do this. You're, you're not ready to go on mission where I'm going. If you're not ready to have heroin addicts, you know, strewn out on the bench, I'll never forget um, we had a pastor friend of mine was um, commenting on our Facebook post because we posted a picture of Refuge Long Beach. And someone, one of my pastor friends made a joke about being slain in the spirit. Yeah. And I couldn't write it because I didn't want to humiliate. it, but I was like, no, that guy's withdrawn off heroin. He's laying down on that bench because he is in, he is in pain right now. He's, he's, he's coming off and he's, he's drug himself to church to try to hear from God, to meet with the Holy Spirit and keep himself off of drugs. You know, you bring and, up a good point, the though. world I live in. You bring up a good point, and how, how does someone, okay, using your example earlier, uh, are, you know, can you deal with little Johnny, little Jane, seeing two lesbians come to church? What... What do parents need to think, like if they're going to a church that's a frontline church, and, and I only mean frontline in the sense that, like, we're in the inner city. I don't, the, you can have frontline in the burbs, right, where, you know, this is all hidden. We, we happen to be in a place where it's very open. Um, what, what do they need to consider? Because obviously they are considering the, the health and the well-being and the mental development of their kids. So, you yeah. know, what would you say to that person? Well, I, How do they need I, to... I think, it's, you know, and I understand, like, it, it's a tough place. And I, I think it's fair enough to say some people aren't meant to come with us. Some people aren't at the place where they themselves are mature enough. You know, it's it's kind of like, uh, uh, I, I don't want to quite draw the parallel because it's not a, a completely accurate parallel, but food sacrificed to idols. Some people are so weak you know, in, in their faith and understanding that they're not able to contextualize, hey, this person, honey, you know, to their five-year-old doesn't know Jesus. We talk to our daughter like that all the time, because across the street from our house, we have lesbians. Mm. You know, Johnny has two mommies across the street from the Jones house. Mm. And so it's in our neighborhood. I mean, you know, by the time they're in kindergarten now, they're being taught, they're being read stories. Um, in kindergarten. So if you send them to public school, they're going to hear it. Why not hear it from you? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Why not hear your perspective on it and say, honey, look, we don't judge them. God gives, you know, people, he doesn't make people live like he says to live. But, you know, you use the analogy, hey, like your toy, you know, your bike, it's, it's not supposed to be, you know, drug upside down down the street. That would break your bike, right? No, it's meant to go on both wheels, and you're meant to sit on the seat, and you're meant to, you know, I we talk to our kid. We talk to them, and that's why, you know, kind of like the old saying, you know, censor your kid if you want, but my kid will be smarter than yours. Yeah, you know, you know that's, that's interesting because, and I've told Jamie this, Jamie, my wife, loves Disneyland, and I can't stand Disneyland, right? I mean, you, you've made the joke to me, I'm the unhappiest man at the happiest place on earth, and it's true. You are. I can't stand it. It's miserable to me. It's too many people. It's too hot. It's too everything, right? Well, they have uh, what are called gay days. And they're not official Disneyland holidays, but apparently there's like a, a, a website out there that tells everyone, and okay, all right, everyone who's gay, wear a red shirt and show up on this day at Disneyland. And on those days, Disneyland is just packed with all these people wearing red shirts and completely homosexual. Um, yeah. And one of my uh, good buddies, he's in one of my mastermind groups for marketing. Um, he's another Christian guy. <laughs> and he, he told me a funny story. He goes, yeah, I accidentally wore a red shirt one day to Disneyland, not knowing about that. And he goes, and I get there and everyone who's you know wearing a red shirt is gay. And I got all these guys coming up to me and hitting on me. And he's like... I went out to my car and changed my shirt. And, you know, and I've, I've told my wife, I'm like, you know, what are we going to do with Luke? How are we going to, you know, explain this to Luke? Because it, it's, it's there all the time at Disneyland, but especially on those days, yeah. it's like absurdly there. I mean, yeah. we, we've seen yeah. all manner of craziness on those days. 
But and I think what you said, honestly, to me, I mean, it, that makes so much sense. I mean, Luke is so young right now, he, he wouldn't understand. Yeah, you couldn't actually have that conversation right. with him. What is he, like two? Yeah, he's a little <laughs> over two. And, I mean, he's yeah. he's 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 slower at developing in speech and language than other kids. So, I mean, he's not – we're not having full conversations yet at, at two. I mean – No, yeah. So yeah. – we're we're still out from that, but I, to me that really helps a lot. And I I actually think that this has been a a really good topic and conversation for us to have because church planners yeah. do need to think about what are we going to do when um, things like this come up at our church, and because I don't I honestly don't know how I would have reacted like if I was the pastor and you know someone had come up to me and said hey you know. Um, the transsexuals in the bathroom, because part of you is like, well, I, I need to look out for everyone else who's here. You well, know? you know, it's funny because I said, wait, wait till, wait till she gets out, and it, obviously that was not the answer. I knew the answer that she wanted. I just refused to give it. Which is what? Go kick and, her out. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I'll get up right now and I'll go drag her. Hey, Mandy can't be in here. Um, I refuse to. Right. You know, um, I will I will not humiliate Amanda to keep a Christian happy. What I will do is I'll wait. I'll address it at another time. Um, I'll talk to my leadership. And all this all this happened that day. We had a leaders. Meeting. I just brought it up, you know, very casually. And, uh, you know, we, we had a circular email that went around and we decided to, to chat through some strategy. And, um, you know, that's that's how you deal with it. And then now we'll come, you know, after we've thought about it and prayed about it, made a really good strategy and plan, you know, Hey, we have a single use restroom. We like to ask you to use that so that you're comfortable. No one's giving you a hard time, but also, you know, so it's not like we're coming at, and, and there are, there are issues, right? Um, it used to be when I was growing up, one in three women had been sexually assaulted. Now it's two out of three. So part of my concern is that a woman who goes into the bathroom and sees him, um, will be traumatized. That does sure. concern me because, yeah. you know, uh, two out of three women and, and often uh, sexual assaults happen in restrooms. So, you know, it, it's a concern. And I, I will bring that up when I talk to a man and just say, hey, you know, some of our people have been attacked in a, in a, in a ladies room by a male and uh, blah, blah, blah. But look, hey, there's, this, there's a really easy solution to this. And we haven't made it about, hey, you know, you're, uh, you're really a man. And because you're really a man, we want you to not use the women's restroom, which is kind of the butthead way that Christians go about dealing with this stuff. And you know what? I, I see it as this. Um, I was a psych nurse. When I was a psych nurse, right? They get mad at people because they were confused, you know? And and so here's Amanda, you know, what, what little dignity the world has left to her, um, you know, and, and, and I don't even want to go into it, but, you know, I, I don't want to strip that away on Sunday to please a Christian. I just, I just didn't care, you know, right. at that moment. In fact, what I did is I shifted some of the responsibility and said, hey, you know, it might be good if you just stand outside the door and just warn anyone who might want to come in that, hey, can you wait a minute? Somebody's in there changing. Um, boom, boom, boom. And when Amanda walks out, it would be very, oh, hey, thanks for that, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, did you, you know, say that to him? I did, I did. Yeah, I added that on. You know, actually, <laughs> would you, would you stand outside and keep guard? <laughs> what did they say to that? Were they like ticked? <laughs> you know, it, there's that look you get sometimes when someone's just stunned, like you didn't give them the answer. They, you just turned it around and say, hey, rather than me going in and storming in and you know riding in with the cavalry, why, why don't you just stand outside and just you know make sure everybody's okay. You know, boom. It's just, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Gosh, I was thinking this week, I've been in ministry for 22 years. This is not the first transvestite I've, I've dealt with. And you still my can't pass a church planner test. My, <laughs> <laughs> but I can deal with this issue, I promise. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. You know, one of my first things as an assistant pastor was we had this, uh, it was funny, dude. I, I, she's passed away now, but... Um, there was a, a transvestite that used to um, stand up. It, she would dress like Shirley Temple, 
and, you know, almost like Jen Crouch on like steroids, right? Um, Tammy Faye Baker, you know, when they, they dress her up like a little cutesy doll, um, she had, she would wear, and she was kind of manic, you know, um, you know, with the bipolar disorder, but she would bring little bunnies in and she'd go, somebody loves you. And she'd be talking to the high school boys as she came in, you know, like, Ooh, you're a cute boy. Ooh, and oh, she'd no. squeeze her muscles. Do you work out? Oh, dude, it was over the top. And she had to have a chaperone. And so one of my first things when I became an assistant pastor of this mega church, um, they said to me, hey, Peyton, um, you're on, let's say her name was Sherry. They're like, you're on Sherry duty. And I'm like, oh, okay. So every week I had to sit down by Sherry. And it was funny because she would walk around. I don't know what she had on, but it was like, these little bells, like it'd be jingle, jingle, jingle. And then during the service, she would literally, I kid you not, she would stand up and she'd take her little bunny and her stuffed animal. And you got to imagine like, she's got like Shirley Temple hair, just a total man, like a six foot something man dressed in like a, a tutu and the most frilly leggings and big bangles and bracelets and maybe all white and this like big red um, circles on her cheeks and just the most loudest garish makeup. I'm just, I'm just, it was crazy. And she would turn around and she, she'd like wave at the congregation. And my job was to sit there and say, Hey, uh, uh, sure. You need to sit down now. (laughs) You know, it was like baptism by fire. You know what I mean? But what we found out is she was dying. And we're like, hey, we got to make a choice here. Do we want her to hear the gospel? She's being brought by this guy that wants her to hear the gospel. Are we, are, okay, now understand, everybody in that congregation knew that she was crazy as a limb, right? But here's the deal. Could we handle that? Could we be a place where someone like Sherry could come and the rest of us that are mature could just say, you know what? We live in a broken world. There's a broken person sitting in the front row. And I mean, front and center, man, right in front of the pulpit, who occasionally stands up and needs, you know, this young kid, assistant pastor to just tug on her and say, hey, you sit down, please. <laughs> and, but can we handle that? Yeah. Or do we kick her out? You know, it, can we be that place where people that are oddballs and don't fit in, I mean, this is the theme you see in the Gospels. Jesus goes to those who have nobody, have no place. You were talking about being unclean and outside the camp. Mm-hmm. Jesus was that sacrifice, right? He was the sacrifice. It's taken outside the camp. And Hebrews says, since Jesus is outside of the camp, right, outside of the religious institution, outside of this, outside of the bounds of what's acceptable, he says, let us go to him outside the camp. That's where we belong, man, outside the camp. Church planner, you have an opportunity to take something outside the camp. You have an opportunity to turn your back on the crowd. And that means sometimes you're going to have to piss Christians off. And you got to make that choice. Am I going to piss these people off right now in order to save a soul? Because you know what? Charles Spurgeon says it in the opening chapter. He says, I will gladly smash my foot through the floorboard of etiquette if it will save one soul. And I agree with Mr. Charles Spurgeon. That guy was a great soul winner. He seemed to know what he was talking about. Mm. Oh, <laughs> get yeah. my preach on. No, I just, um, I think about all of that and man, it makes, it, it's so, it, it's cool to hear. And the tough part is going to be, you know, the practical application of it and, and putting yeah, us in Because you're going to lose people. Exactly. You're, you're going to you lose are, people. I mean, it's like right now the idea of planning a church, being a church planner, is very cool. It's very chic. It's very in. But I don't think a lot of people really understand what it means. And yeah. when they find themselves that close to the fire, what are they going to think, you know, when their hair starts getting singed? I mean, you're going to have people not like you. You're going to have people not yeah. like you and be like, what is this? You know, reading Charlie Marquez's article in this month's Church Planner magazine, uh, which, by the way, was just released this last week. So download it, 
And uh, which, which, by the way, Charlie was the voice you heard on the yeah, phone call. Charlie. That was Charlie Marquez. He's the guy that co-planted. And what's funny about Charlie is not only does he have the most amazing hair, Very. we can never mention him. I did his, I did his ordination with uh, Don Overstreet at the Southern Baptist the other night. And I, I told him on the phone, oh, dude, I forgot to make fun of your hair when we were doing it because he his hair is incredible like i kid you not it's the bonsai hair he calls it it the bonsai hair it's perfect we make fun of it because we intend we're intimidated by it it's such amazing like when i grow up i I want to have hair like charlie i mean that's all there is to it you know how like clinton they have those hair commercials and it's like oh yeah you know like their hair is like you know canteen is all over the place and it's got such body and you know it's like (laughs) cascading over you know each hair like you know utter perfection and women are into this like silken beauty well dude i'm just telling you if you you can't see charlie's hair on the podcast but if you saw charlie's hair you would believe you would be like you know <laughs> you believe i understand you know blessed are those that have not seen charlie's hair and yet believe if if you can receive it this is like the man hair that could could make like commercials for men where men would watch like women uh, whole commercials about shampoo and hair. Charlie could pull that off with his head. Yeah, he could. That's how good it is. But in in his I don't article, know how we got there. No, well, because in his article, he uh, his article is "Confessions of a Church Planner" or "Serial." Or I can't remember exactly what the title was. No, that was mine. <laughs> no, that well, yeah, his was. Um, it's "Confessions yeah, of a Church Planner." Okay, all right. I know it is. I just saw it today. But oh, okay, all right. I, I wrote one called Confessions of a Serial Planner. Well, like, yeah, we yeah, actually did a podcast, and we wrote a book. We just haven't published it yet, Confessions of a... Oh, that's where it is. Yeah, yeah. okay. And I'm like, that that's a great nice. title. So, But he it writes is. in there, you know, I've been preaching and had someone totally drunk standing right by the pulpit looking at me, talking to me while I'm preaching, and I'm like... I remember when that happened. <laughs> I remember that, too. I we, remember that well. We were there. We saw it. Yep. And it's like, that's what... I mean, we've got this idea of what church planning is going to be like, and we've almost romanticized it. I think a lot of people have, you know? And and certainly yeah. some of the gurus out there who teach you, here's how you do a big launch, and you know, you're going to have 300 people the first week, and you're going to be making all this money, and you know, this this is the, the, the golden ticket. And it's like... or. You could have church in the park and have a drunk guy about three feet from your face talking to you while you're trying to preach to the rest of the church. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you could have a demoniac screaming in your face. I mean, you know, you you got all this weird stuff going on, but it's worth every minute because you're watching people transform. You're watching people that that literally um, are at the end of their rope. And when I talk about people one step from hell, like— I, I, I'm not exaggerating. Like these are people I, I just wish sometimes I could take some of our listeners and say, just, just come, you know, on Sunday, come where we're at. And then we're not unique. We're not saying like, Oh, this is a, you know, uh, tons of church planners are doing this. Their, yep. their mission is to seek and save the lost. So we're nothing special, but, but what we're saying is it's so, uh, it, it's so about that, that we would want you to come to see, this is what, it, you know, I'll never forget the guy who drove from Arizona and he goes, I just, you know, I made the eight mile or eight hour journey um, just to see if you're the real deal. And, and, and he came away and said, this is, this is it. This is for real, you know? And uh, we weren't even in the church? park anymore. Yeah. Yeah. A guy named Matt Rainey. He's up in, he's now planning up in uh, Michigan, wow. but he, he left uh, uh, Arizona. But anyways, um, yeah, so, you know, the, the, the reality is, guys, and we can talk about this at another time, definitely when Jump School, uh, the movie comes out, um, it's, it's actually a series of, of short training movies. Um, it trains your core team. It trains them how to think like this because they need to be discipled how to think. And on grace, I don't think you could get a better foundation. If you want to train your people on grace, gospel-centered life, that is an amazing curriculum that you can take your core team. Charlie Marquez just took his core team through that. We took our church through that. Charlie had been telling me forever, we need to take the church through this. I didn't listen, right? And uh, we went through it, and I was like, yeah, we needed to do this a long time ago. I mean, our people got it because we laid it down early, 
But if you want an amazing tool to take a core team through, if you're in the core team build phase, gospel-centered life, that is a must. Mm-hmm. And then jump school when we make it. Of course. <laughs> well, in, uh, All right, well, in closing, i just like to say a reminder. Leave us uh, a message. Call our voicemail line, 562-553-0004. And, uh, you know, let us know what you thought about this. Uh, let us know any topics or anything you want us to bring up, and we'll do that. Yeah. And let us know as well, if you're going to be at a conference um, where, you know, we're going to be, um, you know, this church planner conference is going on all year. Pete and I are starting to travel out, trying to make as many as we can. Um, let us know if you're going to be at one. And, uh, you know, we'd love to meet you guys. So uh, we are going to actually have some booze at some of the bigger church planning conferences this year. So you'll be able to look for us. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach some people that no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.